让我们。Hello and welcome, Happy New Year, Happy 2023 to the 40 Athletes Podcast.、Uh, before we get started, though. In the description below, in the YouTube link, there's a link for parents to sign up for our free course on how to navigate your kid through parents. It's five great lessons to help make sure that you and your child have a great experience with sports and out of sports as well. Now, let's begin with episode number 96. Jimmy, today we got Donna and Turner Ward on the show,、um, and they have a great story of resilience, of hope, of faith.、Um, Donna and and Turner have been married for 34 years now. Jimmy, that's almost as old as I've been alive. Now, not to make them feel that's like an incredible accomplishment in and of itself. So、uh, excited to have yeah, them. It's, a, it's okay to talk about like you know, you know Scott's age, but Donna, you don't want to get in to talk about the age、yeah. of the lady. Okay, so、that's、so、true. relax on that. All right. Well,、uh, that's true. And but Donna has wrote a great book called Unexpected Hope, and it's her story of what she went through. Um, as she battled breast cancer, the things that she's had to overcome. So it's a, really a, a great story of resilience and faith. And then Turner has been is a has been a major league baseball coach for only almost like 15 years. I want to say has been for a long time. Was a two time World Series champion with the Blue Jays. But who they are as people was something that I felt like really drawn to in their story of how they stayed together with their marriage and clung and raised some raised three children along the way. And so we're going to dive into like how you keep hope alive in faith and in sports. So we're going to go ahead and bring them on today.、Uh, Donna and Turner, welcome to the show today. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us.、Mm-hmm. Donna, we're going to start with you. You know, how did you? You know, your story. We had a great conversation about a month ago or so, like right after Thanksgiving. You actually had another surgery about a month ago or so. How do you keep hope alive to help you get through the battle of of your breast cancer situation and You know, to keep that positivity even in some of your toughest, darkest moments. Well,、um, there's a scripture, Isaiah 41:10. I think that pretty much would be my answer to that.、Um, one of my darkest moments, probably right before the double mastectomy, was sitting on the back porch and just being honest with God and just.、Um, Sorry. Just being honest with God and pretty much begging Him to just help me. I was in such a desperate place of I lost hope and thought I was losing faith and didn't know how I was going to do it. Didn't know how to face it. Just at a complete loss, and I can't really explain it. But、um, I heard. Do not fear. I'm with you. Do not be discouraged. I am your God. I will help you. I'll give you strength, and I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. And I knew right then that was my answer.、Um, God had not answered a prayer until that day. Every prayer was had went unanswered or went the way that I wasn't praying for it to go. But I knew that right then that that was my hope. That Jesus was going to be my hope, and that scripture I held on to it, and even today, I have to just reel myself back in and claim that scripture, and I know that that is my hope, and so that's that's how I've handled it throughout the whole journey. 
Don, as you, as you talk about that, you know, many times we pray for certain things, right? Mm-hmm. And they don't happen the way that we think that we want them to take place, right? And it reminds me like of Garth Brooks, a song like, yeah, unanswered prayers. Yeah. And, you know, people like yourself or other individuals that are going through challenges and they feel like maybe God's not with them, not listening to them, not hearing them. Yeah. And there's that frustration and maybe anger that comes. Um, and they feel like that they don't want to speak to God anymore. Is there like advice you could give to people about to continue to have a conversation with God and continue to discuss with God and ask for maybe direction, guidance or things like that to help them through the challenging times? Yeah, I think I've realized now that I'm on this side that um, God already knows what you're thinking. So you might as well tell him. And I think just telling him what you're thinking, how you're feeling is kind of a part of healing. Um, And it just helps you realize that he does know what's best. And, you know, now 15 surgeries later, I wouldn't change a thing because of it was in the desperate, dark, hard places where God was saying no. And I wanted him to say yes, that my faith grew and where I saw him and felt him in a way that I never would have it, but would have not been for cancer and the journey and being so hard. Um, it's just my relationship with him. So just. I would just say, hold on and just talk to him, let him know what you're feeling and what you need and then be okay with what he gives you. Whatever answer it is, if it's not the one you're, you're looking for, we'll just be okay with that and know that he has a plan and a purpose and it's it's the right thing. It's the best thing. Hey, Don, I recently, I, I just found out a coach that, that coached me in high school. It's been part of my life and I coached some of his kids. He has cancer. And he's going through uh, some surgeries are going to take place actually January 10th. When I was talking to him, you know, I said, how are you doing? He goes, Jim, I honestly, I'm, I'm anxious. I'm, I'm scared. Mm-hmm. Right. The anxiety. Yeah. Exactly. You know, what, what do you, how do you speak to people that that uncertainty, the unknown of like maybe hearing you got cancer or some disease, you don't know what's going to take place. Besides speaking to God and line of faith, what are other things that maybe you could give advice to help them to how to handle some maybe anxiety that they start feeling in their life? Gosh, you know what? Scripture and just holding on to it. Um, I never felt more spiritual battle than I did going through that because the enemy's voice sometimes is so much louder than truth. So just to stay in prayer and um, just ask God to let you hear his voice and feel his presence and to take away the anxiety because I've learned that he is the only one that can. There, your spouse can't, your best friend can't. It is only God who can take away the anxiety and the fear and the hopelessness. I mean, everything you're facing after a medical diagnosis like that, um, only God can give you the peace that you're searching for. And you know, the sooner you know that, the better. You know, Turner, sometimes uh, whenever we see a loved one like your wife going through some some really difficult times, from the spouse part of it, like you just want to take it all away and be able to take that pain from them. And even though we can't do that, what were some things that, how are you able to be like a, a strong person in her life? How are you able to like 
give her what she needed as she went through that battle. You know, as men, we're like fixers, right? So we want to, we want to fix things, whether that's for me as a coach, a swing or some, some kind of technical thing, or, or even as a, as a husband, you know, fixing a marriage when things are going through. And then you go through something like this, that you, there's no way to fix it. Right. It's like, I just wanted it. I, my prayer was for God to give it to me. You know, I wanted, I was, my wife was so tough, so strong, you know, and I didn't want her to have to be tough and strong. I, you know, I wanted to be that far. And so, and it was some, some tough challenges. It was a lot of, a lot of failing opportunities, like with me, of how to deal with it. You know, one thing she didn't mention, and we didn't mention to each other, but both of us cried. We, we told each other later every single day for over a year. She never knew it. Oh, I've seen her because she had surgeries and pains when we went through certain things. But when we was away from each other, I think that's kind of where he was in desperation of for her wanting to heal, for me wanting her not to hurt, you know. And I, I found that that pain, uh, uh, I had a serious injury earlier in my career, broke both the bones of my leg, uh, shattered my ankle, plate, screws, foot turned at a 90 degree angle. And this is before I got to the big leagues. And, you know, and so that the, the pain that I was having was like unbearable. It was so, it was so painful of my, my bones and stuff wanting to try to come back into place. Well, when Donna was going through that surgery and when she got out in the pain, The pain that was she was in, the emotional pain that I felt was the same as that physical pain. So I, I got to see how emotional pain and physical pain, they parallel each other. And so, you know, I was learning how to deal with it. Am I better at it now than I was 10 years ago? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I hope I failed my way into learning how to deal with it more. A better listener when she was just needing to vent, not fixed. And I think that's kind of a, a part of where that growing through this process has, has helped us and also shown compassion for others. Hey, Turner, when you mentioned that and, you know, you think about you and your profession, uh, there's a lot of traveling that takes place in the major leagues. Right. And there's a lot of individuals maybe have spouses are going through um, a sickness and illness and they have to travel, they have to be gone or whatever it is. And you mentioned like you provide a support for Donna by listening, by, by, by being empathetic. What are other ways you can suggest people that have spouses going through challenges to be there for them, to support them? What are ways they can do that to help them get through the challenging times? I mean, of course, the, you know, the, the obvious is, is, is prayer. And sometimes we don't know, you know, we don't get to see those results or end results or anything like that. But, you know, there was times I just had to come home. Uh, Sometimes your job is just not that important. Sometimes it was time. I mean, I come home for a week or, you know, during the season and, and Donna knows this. I probably would have just quit if it was, if it was that important. And I, and I know sometimes that if this is from the failing standpoint that Donna didn't feel like 
she was the most important. And so that was a failure by me of, uh, of not having good awareness or not, you know, uh, uh, paying attention to her feelings like maybe I should. So I think that just having more uh, uh, awareness of, 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 of where they are and, and their feelings, because feelings don't necessarily mean it's right or wrong, but it does mean that it's their feelings. So, you know, having to be aware of that is, uh, was a part of my, my growing process as well. You know, Donna and Turner, you all have, like you said, been through so much together. How has this whole experience helped you keep in mind, like what's, what really matters, what's really important. Like we just saw what happened with the, the football player, Damar Hamlin and how like the perspective of like, Hey, you know what? It's, it's just a game, right? But but life and, and your loved ones, the ones that really matter, from your perspective, from what you all have gone through, how has that shifted what you all see as most important as you all have gone through this? Donna, I'll let you go first on this one. Oh, gosh. I think you should go first on this one. That's hard. I mean. Man. Um... Well, I'm going to be honest. Like him leaving February 11th, he just told us before we started the podcast. Um, that makes me anxious with him leaving because time is so precious. You know, we can't get back today. And, you know, the time apart, you can't really make it up, um, even though you try, like the off season, to reconnect from the disconnect that baseball brings. But um, time is so much more important now together as a husband and wife, as a family. Um, so just time is so important. I mean, I would just echo that because, uh, you know, what, we, what we've learned is, and I think this we know in general, when you get older, when you're looking, when you're younger, you're like, you know, you're going to live forever. seems like, you know, it's like, uh, you know, in my early teens or twenties, I'm going to play felt like forever or whatever in life. And then, you start getting older, you get a little bit more wise to, to the world of, of, you know, what's important. And, and then at time, it's the same for everybody. We all have the same amount of time in every day. I mean, we all have 24 hours. Now it becomes like how we use it and how we utilize it. And uh, so Donna has to reel me in a lot of times. She's just like, you know, goes her, you know, part of her love language is, t- is time. I mean, and so, um, so for me, it's like being recognizing that, you know, this, the time that we have is so valuable. And so just utilizing it in a way that's, you know, it's in our best interest and of course, in the interest of others. And that's kind of what Donna's done through her book and our foundation. It's like, you know, even though it does take more time, maybe away or from or whatever, but the time well spent between things that are important, you know, when you, when you talk about that, the time and, and Donnie talk about your love language, right. Is, is that time. And I know for myself, a lot of times I'm around my, I got two sons, younger sons and I got my wife, but sometimes my wife will tell me you're here, but you're not here. Right. You're around us, but you're not really engaged with what's going on. Are there things like, Donna, you can speak to people about even maybe you talked to Turner before about, you know, the time of the quality time, the present, being in the moment, right? Is there something you could speak to people about that to help them to understand what like your love language being time and how somebody can make sure they're filling that love language 
with the time and being conscious of it? Yeah, I think, um, like Turner said, being aware, just give that person your time. Like, what do you say? Or do you, do you hear me? Are you listening or hearing, you know, um, hear the person. Don't just listen to them. Don't have distractions, you know, make time to where you just totally devote. Um, you have to, sometimes he has to shut his mind down from baseball. You know, it's off season. I think that's my time. I'll, he has eight, nine months of the year that he gives his players, and I'm okay with that because I know that's his job. That's when he can give his time to them and devote to them. That's his job. When he's here in the off season, I need that time. It needs to be more about us and our family and not somebody swing or, you know, what happened the last game of this or that. He's got to learn how to shut his mind down from baseball, even if it's just for an hour, you know, and just let it be about us and just whatever's going on in our world here. So kind of he's got to learn how to live in two worlds. And I, I can speak that too, not like Turner, like my I'm a coach and I coach basketball. And it is hard for me to turn off because like the athletes that I'm around and, and engage and what we can do to become better. And it's, and, and I get like engulfed in that, right? What, what are maybe strategies you've used that you can help maybe coaches or people or businesses that feel like they're, they can't get away or they can't remove themselves from it. What have you done to help yourself? Oh, I think that again, you know, you, you learn a lot by failure. I hate to keep, bring that word up, but you're going to hear it through this whole thing. And, and I think that's kind of where uh, our greatest learning tool uh, comes from. Um, I'm more conscious now of, of that time. And I let, my job is very important. Everybody's job is very important. I'm not saying, Oh, I don't, when I say mine, I mean my job to support my family, but you know, the balancing act of, of, of wife, kids, you know, time and all of that is going to always be the challenge for us. So I think that Donna does a good job. We just had a good argument about this before I had to leave to go to California and flew in last night, uh, you know, um, and it was kind of going back to work with some guys in the swings and stuff like that. So the job is a little bit more um, um, time consumable nowadays than it was 10 years ago or five years ago. So me is still learning to balance that out. And you know what? It's, it's great to have my wife be honest about that because see, I only know what I know. And I do get focused on and so in tune to what's uh, going on with my job or whatever. And I need people to reel, reel, reel me in. But also I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be a, much more aware because I, I use that same thing to my players. Like I don't want to try to take their time away from their family or, and I make them know, known to that. So I try to actually teach that in a sense, you know, especially as they get into their families, they're not thinking about that. Of course, these young single guys, but when they have their young child, like a Arenado and Goldie and you and young kids, well, I'm always very conscious and make comments about that awareness. And so, you know, it's still going to be a continued balance act. And I don't have the perfect answer for it. But to me, it's like just self-aware 
And not only that, but having someone that can kind of reel you back in. It sounds like your Jim, your wife did a job of reeling you in. So when they say stuff like that, when my wife says something like that, man, I have to really look at it because for me, it's like, oh, I'm just doing my job. And for her, it's like, oh, my job is more important than her, which it never is. But if she feels that way, then I'm not doing it and balancing that out correctly. Hey, Jason, one thing I want to just reinforce, you want to add some, but, you know, I think that's true, Turner. The other thing I think is as men or spouse, when your wife talks to you about something is maybe holding you accountable not to get judgmental, right? Not to come out a certain way where they feel like they can't be honest with you. They can open up to you. So I feel like there's a lot of spouses that are afraid to maybe tell their spouse certain things because the way the reaction is going to be. For sure. And then Donna will even say that in her book, how she hid a lot of things, you know, for a while it's because she didn't want to hurt the people. But the one thing she was doing holding in was hurting the main person that she needed to be healing was herself. So there's healing. It is hurtful now to say some of the things that are honest and truthful, but also there's healing in it too. There's going to be a positive and negative effect to everything in life. So if there is something we need to deal with and we need to be open with, then, then we need to just kind of be open up and, and say it and let's deal with it. If we argue through it and then make up, you know, so I think that uh, that's always going to be the challenge because even as you got young kids now, they're going to grow up and, our oldest son, you know, married, got divorced. There's other issues with young little grandchild. So, you know, the, the problems never cease, but how we deal with them. And faith is a big part of kind of how we've had to handle and learn how to handle a lot of these things in our life. Well, you know, you guys, you, know, you both have, you have three children together and, you know, they were a part of this process with you all as well as Don was going through, you know, her breast cancer struggle. How did you all, uh, help your kids through some of the struggles that they might have seen mom, like who mom and dad, who are their, their rock, right. You know, you all been there with them throughout everything and to see your parents struggle with things that can be kind of tough and like, Oh man, mom and dad are human as well. Whenever they're young, you know, typically like your mom and dad, you see them as like, wow, like they're superheroes. Right. So how were you able to, again, support them? You know, were you honest with them about everything that was going on? Did you, were you just straight up with them? Like what was your process of helping them through this tough time as well? I think too, you know, our daughter who's older now, she's going to be going into law school this next year. So she's very smart and kind of analytical and everything. And uh, our youngest son, how old was he at that time? Like eight. And then our oldest son was in college. So we had middle school, eight years old college. So we had them in all in different stages and they all handle it in, in handled it in different ways. And, um, if we're honest and say there was conversations that I had to have with different ones at different times, kind of away from Donna to help understand. And then there was times where we sat down with them at that time and we just brutally honest that this is what's going on. This is what's happening. And, you know, having to explain an eight year old that is not, you know, well, for them to even understand um, at that point. But now he's 18, a senior in high school. So, you know, we got to have them and handle things in different ways at different times. And even still now, I mean, you can see it's very emotional. We're not over this. We won't ever be over it. We're just learning more to, to how, how to deal with it and, and why. And so what would you add? Um, I wasn't honest with the kids. I, if I could change it, I would 
I would have let them see the hurt and the suffering and the pain rather than letting them think I was okay. Um, I wish I would have been more open with them. We were honest with them with what was going on with me health wise, but I wished I would have let them see more and they could see me turning to God more um, rather than just letting them see my strength and them assuming it was from me because um, I, it was an act. I mean, I wasn't doing well at all, but I didn't want them to hurt or worry or be mad at God for not helping their mom. So I don't think I handled it very well. I just was not honest with my kids. Oh, I got a different perspective on that. Mama bear <laughs> is protecting her kids in the best way she knew how at the time and they got to see her strength. So what she would think would be in a weakness was literally a strength. I got to see it. They got to see it. Her perspective of, of hiding some of those things I think was supposed to happen that way. And it was. And, and I think that we've learned more things later of course, than we did during that time. And I think we'll even learn more some things that that maybe they will reveal to us later as they mature and grow and even have kids, which my oldest son has and which he has commented on some some things that, um, you know, are profound in a sense of his thoughts when we was going through it. But um, I don't think I would change. I mean, she's saying she would change the way that she would be more honest I think the way she showed her strength and they did get to see suffering and pain. It was, she couldn't hide those times. We got photos of her own. Her on the couch. And my youngest son. And my, my daughter just hugging her as she's wrapped up like a, like a mummy from the double mastectomy. So they definitely got to see the strength, the pain, but they also got to see her resilience, her faith. Maybe even lack of, it's okay. It's okay that we're not that faithful. And I think sometimes people think, well, oh, we gotta be this, this, this shell, this person that's, you know, doesn't have issues, doesn't have problems. Man, we all have issues. We all have problems. But thank goodness we can surround people around us, have people around us that support us, that pray for us, that encourage us, that hold us up when we can't hold ourselves up. And to me, that's what we've gone through was uh, just what life brings you. And now how you, how you deal with it, it becomes the greatest challenge. Yeah. I, uh, you know, can relate a little bit. You know, my, my son who is six now, he, like, he's never had his grandfather. My, my dad passed away whenever I was 17. Uh, and it took his own life. And, and he's asking, you know, like, Hey, how did, how did Pop Allen pass away? I'm like, wow, that's a, it's a loaded question. And, and the thing I was only going to tell him was like, you know, he, only, he had, his brain was sick. And that's the simplest way, you know, because whenever they're so little, Things like this, like what you all have gone through, what what I went through with my dad, they're so complicated. But to them, they just want to understand like 
trying to make sense of their world. And so if you can simplify it, if you can kind of help them by, you know what, like relying on your faith, like you said, seeing some of the, the, the struggles, but also like knowing that you can make it on the other side. So I would, I would agree with Turner, Donna. I think your, your example of what it means to keep going regardless of what's happening, hopefully I think would be a great example for your kids to have faith, strength, believe that things will eventually get better. Yes. Yes, you're right. Okay. <laughs> she would hate to admit that, but yeah. Well, you know, and from my understanding, you know, you guys, your faith is a big part of your life, and you know, as a couple, how have you all been able to help other couples that have maybe gone through similar things? Like, you know, because sometimes, when until you've seen somebody else go through something, you have no idea. Have, have other couples like reached out to you and said, "Hey, whenever this happened, how did you all get through this together?" Like, what what advice would you give for young couples? Maybe starting out, you know, how can you build a strong relationship together so when life does happen, you don't divide, you actually get stronger together? I think because we've had this conversation a lot when we were in L.A., the wives would, um, there was a lot of younger wives and they'd want the coach's wives to um, sometimes just like a question and answer where they could ask us questions and we would answer. And the main thing is just God has to be the center if he's not the center and your in your foundation of your marriage, then it's going to be hard. It's hard when he is. So without him, it's almost going to be impossible. Um, that's my first thing I would say is God has to be the center to get you through it. Yeah, no doubt. And I think some of the things that like Donna was when I was playing, um, you know, one of the things that, she would comment like what Jim said a few moments ago about not being, being there, but not being there. Like I would have the TV on and talking to her on the phone and she'd be like, did you just, did you hear a word I just said? <laughs> and so I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, something other, you know, whatever that was, you know, didn't really want to engage. So I learned to just turn the TV off, you know? And so, so some of the things I've, I, I talked to the guys like now you have FaceTime, you can do FaceTime. So it's, you know, they can't, you know, maybe with the screen in the background or whatever, but, uh, I think it's the the attention, intention of the intention that we give. And so it's like, you know, being, um, you know, making sure that they are the most important thing because life just gets in the way of, of uh, and pulls us, especially when you're in professional sports, you know, everybody's trying to pull you know, these guys or me when I was playing, you know, your interviews or whatever it was or people just, you know, just want to be around whatever that whatever that might be. So there can be some distractions. But to me, that just becomes excuses. And um, so we have to be more aware of of the time that's being pulled from us. And Donna has again, she's been the one that kind of really helped reel me in. But I haven't always done that. Um, not from the beginning. I've just let him keep going and going until the line about broke. But I've learned to just to reel him in. And it's okay to reel him in. So. Hey, hey Donna. So I know I've read some information that I, I think, and you mentioned, I think you just went through a surgery recently and I read something about 11 surgeries. How many total surgeries have you actually been through? Um, that This was number 15. So, when you talk about 15 surgeries, and I know, like, Turner, you can probably relate to this. They talk about in athletics, right, in sports, the grind. 
it's a process, right? You got to go through, but going through 15 surgeries and the recovery process of that going into it, how have you been able to, I mean, stay strong and even positive and continue to rehab through the process to get back to, you know, whatever percent, hundred percent or whatever you can get to in the recovery. I mean, cause there's a lot of people that go through challenges, but 15 surgeries, that's quite a few. Yeah. It goes back to hope. This ring I have that Turner gave me, we both wear, which takes me back to Isaiah 41, 10 and hold it onto those words that God to not, this takes the second part of that scripture. Um, do not be discouraged. I mean, it's discouraging to go through 15 surgeries and to not be discouraged. He's my God. And to remind myself, he's going to help me. He's given me the strength to recover from those 15 surgeries. And so just holding on to that hope, holding on to him and claiming his word and, and making it a choice, a decision daily to believe his word, to believe he's going to do what he says he's going to do and have faith in that. And that's not always easy, right? Because like you mentioned before, there's, there's doubts that creep in, you know, the enemy's always trying to get you to, to like, you know, give up or, or, or stop trying, like, uh, like believe it's not worth it anymore, but no. So it's, it takes effort. It takes intention to stay with your faith, right? It's not something that just you say one time and like, okay, I'm good. Right. It's sometime minute by minute, hour by hour. I mean, seriously, yeah, it's hard. It's a battle. The enemy does not want you to have hope. That's what he wants to rob you of and doing everything in his power um, from distractions, um, just so you have to stay in the word and that's where your faith comes in. It's just believing God's going to do what he says he's going to do. And one of the way I want to stop her because one of the ways I've watched her kind of deal with it, and it's been like a, a healing part is this music. Mm-hmm. I mean, music is when, my drug of choice. So Maybe. when her worship music every single morning, I mean, there's not a day. And I know when I'm gone, I know it's still going because it's every day that I'm home. And she, if she's gotten out of the shower or, or getting on her makeup or doing her hair or whatever, her music and worship music is going on every single day. Cause I know that, you know, she probably wouldn't want to say this, but there was a time where she, you know, every time she got out of the shower, she was in, in tears and probably still at some at points now because either not liking kind of what happened with her failed, um, you know, her surgeries from the first three times. Um, but her big part of her healing and one of her ways of, of battling it is through her music and of course through you know reading or you know whatever but music is to me has been kind of one of those things that has been foundational for her in in worship yeah it never was before cancer but there was a point in the beginning where literally when i would try to go to god's word my eyes were so blurry from crying and if i could read it I was so had so many other voices that I was hearing that I just couldn't even focus on it. So music became how I heard God, how he would speak to me. And Turner's right with the shower. One playlist I have is called shower playlist. And to this day, I click that one before I get in the shower. 
and listen to it until I'm completely dressed and ready to go. So there's certain songs and, you know, that God gave me those songs. It wasn't a coincidence. I just picked them. Um, it's songs that he gave me and revealed to me. And so, yeah, music, just that's how he spoke to me. And that's how I heard him. And th there's an individual that um, coached right now. He's in the seventh grade. And he um, lost a couple of his cousins uh, recently that he was close with. And talking to his parents, he's struggling with a lot of, like, frustration, anger, and things that would come out. And so they eventually decided recently to have him go to a counselor, go to somebody to kind of talk to. And Jason, you can speak on this. Like Jason mentioned, like his dad, you know, committed suicide when he was in high school. And he had to endure a lot of this, like holding a lot of this in. And recently he's went to kind of meet with some people to talk to, to help him through some of this. Is that something that you'd recommend individuals doing? Is that something you guys have done or maybe your children? have gotten assistance and maybe some therapy counselors or like a pastor or somebody to kind of speak to and get through some of this. Well, absolutely. hundred percent. And I wish I would have done that sooner. I think, I don't know if it's a Southern thing with women or what, but Southern Baptists, I don't know, but I felt like as a Christian, I, I should be able to handle it myself that I should be strong enough in my faith that I didn't need counseling, I didn't need help, that I just needed to trust God. And I felt like I would be shamed if I really let people in to know what I was feeling and going through. And, you know, that was a lie from the enemy, but I believed it for a long time. And I just actually spoke with counseling, had a counselor help me two years ago, maybe. Mm -hmm. I mean, just two years ago when I finally realized it was okay to not be okay and sought out help. And if I would have did it sooner, I probably would have been in a much better place, you know, emotionally, mentally. So 100%, you got to have help. You've got to surround yourself with people. Um, take all the help you can get for sure. Yeah, you know, Don, I would agree. It almost took me nearly 20 years. And when I finally did, I was like, I feel like, I don't know about you, but I felt like there was like this invisible weight that just got lifted and kind of like, I felt lighter, you know, because you were, we're able to share some of those deep things that you're like, oh, I can handle this. I got this, right? And it's, like you mentioned, the enemy kind of twisting, like, your faith on you almost. Like, oh, you know what? You should be able to trust this, handle it on your own. You got this. And I know, like, uh, and Turner, you mentioned, like, one of your favorite verses is Luke 640. But that, and that, what you, in that verse, how you kind of reframed it, kind of helps talk about this. But you want to dive into that verse a little bit about how you use that as coaching, but also maybe how, you know, people who use, who use that for counseling, for mentorship in general. Well, you know, and, you know, Luke 640, it says a disciple is not above his teacher, but when fully trained, he will become like his teacher. I took that verse and I and I turned it to my coaching philosophy. And it's uh, a player is not above his coach, but when fully trained, he will become like his coach. So what that verse tells me. You know, and it spoke to me because all the coaches that I've had, man, I've had a lot of coaches. You played for 16 years uh, professionally, high school, college. Uh, you have a ton of coaches. And a lot of those coaches, you know, who poured into me became a part of my DNA. Buck, <coughs> excuse me, Buck Showalter, my, my college coach, Steve Kittrell, um, Coach Larker at junior college. So all of these coaches – you know, that poured into my life became a part of me. So 
I want it. If that's true, if this is Jesus's words, if this is what he's saying, a disciple, if I'm a mentor, if I'm discipling, if I'm coaching, a part of me is going to be in those guys, whether they like it or not. It's going to be a part of them. So I want it to be the very best part of me. And really, the only best part of me is Christ. So I'm trying to build what Christ has building in me and kind of and and hoping that that DNA or that you know those philosophies you know go into these guys that I'm coaching and some of it in, in, in different ways but I can always show no matter where they are in their faith believe or not I can always show my faith and my belief in Christ in the way I treat act you know and and uh, and coach. Hey, Turner, as you talk about it in coaching, you know, life, we talk about, like, I talked to a lot of, like, parents or kids, and they talk about struggling with confidence. And, you know, the Major League Baseball, it's like the average length, bad average, like 250. So you're getting out, like, seven and a half times out of 10, right? So you're, you're failing quite a bit. What what do you do to help the athletes that you work with that are struggling at times in slumps to, to believe in themselves, to stay confident? And even what you've seen, what you've guys gone through is like to stay confident in who you are in life in general. I uh, just had this discussion with a few of the guys just the past couple of days. Um, and even when back in double A, I used to uh, uh, I still get reminded by guys that some of the things that I said way back then while they was in minor leagues, I say, how are you going to fail your way to the big leagues? So I just had this conversation yesterday with uh, a few of our guys with Arenado and Newt Barr. Um, Tommy Edmonds and those guys, Gorman. And I was like, you know, how you got to have a plan of struggle, right? So we always, we're, we're planning, we're trying to get our swing right. We're trying to make sure we're playing right. We're trying to do all these things, but we know through the course of the season that you're going to struggle. I mean, let's go ahead and just admit this. It's going to be a struggle. So how, what is the plan for struggling? What is the mental cues? What is the physical adjustments? What are these things to do when we have are going through struggles? And I think like I kind of relate that back to you know, cancer. cancer. We didn't have a game plan. We didn't have a plan of struggle. We just went through this, uh, going through things, and just kind of winged it on the way. So I'm trying to prepare guys for the struggle. You mentioned that too, Turner. Like, think about it in like baseball in general, athletics. Like, as a baseball player, you, you can work on your swing, right? You can go up to the plate and say, all of a sudden, you hit the ball really well. I mean, you, you had a good swing on it and contact and hit it, and hit it right to, you know, a person that was set up in a certain way and you're out. You know, so sometimes in life, you do something really well, right? You, you might have done it the right way, but it doesn't work out the way that you want it to or that you see it to to have success. So even speaking of that, how do you speak to like athletes staying present or they come back and they're, they're down and something like you did, you did it well. That was a great swing, right? Focus on what you just did. Not so much maybe the outcome of it, but the process and what you did to get what took place right there. So I feel like in athletics, we focus so much on the outcomes, right? That's all we focus on. Is that something to you? You talk to them about is like, Man, great swing. It was a great cut. That, that, that was good. No doubt, 100%. And, uh, you know, you used the word process. And, again, that was part of that conversation yesterday was like, 
we're going to celebrate the quality of the AB, not the outcome. So we're going to ce celebrate you battling through that AB, uh, six pitch, eight pitch, 10 AB, and you make an out. We're going to celebrate the linea, you know, the out, and because, because if you do that on a regular basis, the outcomes are going to be there. So, um, so it's really, it's celebrating the quality, you know, it's like in our kids celebrating when they have that success, encouraging them when things are not going well, encouraging stuff in our marriage and celebrating stuff when, you know, when it's, uh, when it's fit to celebrate. And, uh, and I mean, so um, it, it's hard, it's hard. Um, hitting's the hardest thing in sports to do, you know, like you just said, all that failure, the two, 250 average. I was, that was my average for 16 or 12 years, 251. So I was a tick above average, you know, but I mean, um, but it, it is, it's a struggle. And I think that's where I, I feel like my, my help and my strength is as a coach because of all of that failure. And so when you fail that many times, you have to learn something you threw it. If you don't, then I would just have to be an idiot, you know, but uh, hopefully I'm not that too big of an idiot, you know, learning from some of those things and kind of translating that and helping guys getting through struggles. In turn, Don, I do want to ask this before we get into kind of a light round of questions is youth sports is kind of crazy and parents are a little nutty, right? But you've had, you know, kind of children that, you know, grown up, and they got a father that's been a professional athlete, right? And some that come from families that might have their mother played in college or played a certain level or did whatever. Sometimes the parents will live vicariously to their children or want their children to do certain things the way they did it or whatever. And their kids feel pressure, you know, going through sports. What are some advice you can give to parents as they navigate their children through you sports to help them have a positive experience? Okay, so what we got? We got good cop, bad cop. <laughs> okay, now look, Donna was an athlete, four years volleyball, very good high school athlete. Uh, um, so she's probably a little bit more intense than 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 me, because uh, I've always felt because of what I did and what you know where I played and everything, I didn't want to put that kind of pressure on my kids, even though it was already there without me having to even try to do it because the expectations outside of that was very high for my kids. And they still are, you know, and I was like, good. I'm like, good. Embrace that because uh, their expectations shouldn't be any greater than yours. What's your expectation? So I think that for me, I wanted to just enjoy watching because I didn't get to do it a lot. Right. I mean, I'm gone a lot. So Two years I didn't coach the past, you know, I coached last year, but two years I didn't. So I was involved. I was coaching with my youngest son. You know, when my uh, my oldest son was in high school, I would leave the ballpark when I was coaching double A and go watch his games. And sometimes I would just be out in left field and I would watch. But from my perspective, I just wanted to be enjoy and embrace it and be there for them. I'm not that pushy parent. Oh, you got, if you want this, I'm like, what's your expectation? What do you want to do? Well, I'm going to be here to help you accomplish that. Like um, if, whether that might be me sending them to have hitting lessons with someone else or ground balls or, 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 or strength or whatever that might be. I want to be a resource for them of one encouragement and number two, just to be able to be there for them when they want that, because you know, as you well know, as your kids get older, sometimes it's not cool for them. 
But my younger son just went to California, and that was really cool. He got to hit with those guys. He got to he got to do some things. We had a great time. So I think enjoying it and not 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 expecting them to be big leaders, not expecting them to go to college and play, whatever. Expect them to be the best that they can possibly be and help them along the way of what that might be for them. And so that's kind of where I want to be. Now, Donna, she's going to be, what are you swinging at? No. Okay. Let's go back. Bad cop. Okay. So I have a conversation all the time with the parents because when I sit at the games, you know, I'm just watching the game. No big deal. And they're like, how are you just so calm? And I'm like, because this isn't a big deal. This is just our kids playing. Let them have fun. Or I'm bad cop is when you have your high school, 10th grader, 11th grader, and they want the look, right? <laughs> the hair flipping out of the hat and certain bat. And I'm like, if you're going to do all that, then you better show up at the plate. You know, so I'm just, when they try to, you know, they're. She wants to give some humble pie. Yeah. Okay, that, that's basically, I mean, basically it. She does a good job. If they're it. just arrogant and think they're all that, well, you know, do something or you know, can't understand why they were 0 for 4. And I'm like, well, you didn't hit for a whole week. You should have been 0 for 4. But that comes from me just knowing the game too well, being with him all these years. What's so, the shirt you wear at the ball? What's the shirt that uh, was given you? Um, oh, gosh. I don't ask. Oh, I don't. I don't ask questions at baseball games. I answer them. <laughs> That's important. <laughs> because all of them ask me, you know, that. So, but no, I'm not the bad cop. I'm just realistic and honest. I think that sometimes, you know, especially as a teenager, right? You help you help your kids reflect. Like, well, you know, let's let's look back at this a little bit. You know, what's what may have led up to like you mentioned, well, you didn't practice all this week, so I mean, you get what you, you get what you put into it, right? So, um, and we always finished up again. We have you know four questions with forty athletes. So these are lightning round lessons. The last little bit of insight. First one's for Donna. Is in your opinion, what does it mean to win in the game of life? Um. In the game of life, wow. Um, I think, like Paul said, to run the race, to run it well, and I think that would be considered a winner in life. I, I uh, it goes back to what I used to tell the guys in Double A. I, I, I learned it as a player. You know, it's like you know, failure was a part of it. You know, and like when I was telling those guys in Double A, how are you going to fail your way? To the big leagues, I mean, that was their life at that time, right? That's all they're trying to do. And, you know, of course, they can't see anything more than that, you know, uh, a lot of times. So um, I, I use that same philosophy as like, you know, really for the win is the resilience of, of keep going. And maybe you're not going to get there. Maybe you're not going to get to the pinnacle of this, but it's not because you didn't put in the effort. And so for me, it's like, you know, the effort the is the most important part of the win because you know you will win because of that effort and you will lose because of that effort but the resilience of it to continue to go and to try to accomplish what you're trying to do and love what you do doing it then you know that that's that's going to that's going to help you win yeah right, the second question is uh if you could spend time with anyone in sports passed away live fictional non-fictional who would you pick and why would you choose them He's first on this one for me. Sure, sorry, you go first on this one. Yeah, sure. Well, let me let's say this. I didn't grow up really like a sports fan, right? It's like I, I was a – at 14, I decided that I wanted to be a Major League Baseball player. At 17, when I got my yearbook 
for, uh, you know, everybody sign your yearbook. You know, when we pass it around, I used to got sign everybody's uh, turn award number 16. I'll see you when I'm in the big leagues. And so, um, um, so I didn't have like this. Oh, I like the Atlanta Braves. I watched Dale Murphy and Bob Horner and that. But if you asked me way back then, I might have gave you a different answer. But now I say almost 25 years out of my playing time and, and living out my faith, the person that I would want to ask the questions is Christ and maybe Paul. And I'd ask Jesus, I was like, man, why does it have to be so tough? Why does it have to be so tough here in this shell of a human, you know, and to, to for one thing, to live out our faith, it's not easy. Why does it have marriage? Why does it have to be so tough? I mean, 34 years, high school sweethearts. We dated eight years. We felt like we've been married 40 plus years. It's not easy. It's tough. Raising kids. Jesus is tough. Help me. And um, then Paul would probably say, hey, man, I, I failed in everything. You know, this is who I was. I mean, I was a murderer of Christians. Now I'm trying to lead people to Christ. So those are the people I want to talk to. And I get to talk to that one person, you know, maybe I don't talk to him enough, Christ, as much as I should. You know, I, I think I'd always say that, even when I'm at my highest peak or or even at the pit. But sometimes when you're right there in the middle, that's probably the worst time when I'm not, you know, in those conversations. But um, th that's who I'd want to talk to. That's who I'd want to ask. And those are some of the answers that I want to get. Um, see, I didn't think I was doing the sports questions. Let me think on that one. <clears throat> okay. So honestly, what was the question? The athlete? Yeah. That I... Or person. Anybody involved. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know what? Without a doubt, this guy, this athlete, this dad, this husband, um, and why? Just because his character how positive he is, um, just everything about him. So this is my guy. Hey, by the way, Turner, did you sign, you know, you're talking about Donna's yearbook. Did you sign number 16C in the big leagues as well? Or did you sign hers a little bit different? <laughs> I probably, I remember the memories book. I remember the memories book that I, that I signed out and it was like, I'm a Mary Donna. I'm going to make a million dollars. We're going to have four kids, you know, and, uh, you know, we didn't have the four kids. We did have. Um, we got married. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yes, he did sign at sea in the big leagues. So, yeah. yeah. He, did add, he did add that after he wrote that. So. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it's a different, different little note he wrote to you, but uh, question number three is what's the best advice you ever received from a coach you've, played for or work for? Um, I thought about this a lot because, man, you, you, you have so many things. There's so much information. I've had so many good coaches. And I don't think it was more of advice, but it was more of a way to act and speak. And um, – my college coach, Coach Kittrell, he never 
said a cuss word. I never heard him use profanity in the, you know, the years that he coached me. And I, you know, of course I still have it. So uh, kind of going back to the DNA thing, that was like, that was one of the things that I wanted to emulate from him. So what he showed me was more than what he told me. So I can honestly say in all of my years now of coaching that no player has ever heard me and uh, use profanity. Uh, uh, I can remember Coach Kitchell, Dad Gummits, and Jiminy Crickets, and you know he had a lot of other different words that that he would use. But you know, and I've been made fun of because of uh, I don't use, uh, I just choose not to use those words. And uh, I can remember guys actually um, saying they heard me say, oh, I was like, what? I didn't even, I don't even think about that. You know, I've, I've, you know, how, how do you do that? And I had one of my players in Los Angeles um, who was not with the Dodgers. He was just visiting with his, uh, with his fiance. He goes, this is the coach I was telling you about that he wouldn't let us cuss. I said, I didn't say you couldn't cuss. I said, you'd never hear me cuss. So, I mean, it was, uh, so really to that, that part of it, of course, a lot of other things, but that was just one of the things that I wanted to, who I wanted to be, I wanted to emulate. Um, and Coach Kitchell was the, the guy that that showed me that. I think me going back to my, I would have to say my high school volleyball coach slash softball coach, um, Pat Hicks. She probably is the one that instilled in me about work you're going to, get what you work for and how hard you work and the time you put into it. And I think that carried over into why I'm such a perfectionist and, you know, try to do everything the best I can and work hard at it. And so I think definitely Pat Hicks without a doubt. And I think too, Turner, as you mentioned that also is like, you know, coach, we can say things, but who are you and how do you act? Because your players are going to become a part of that. Right. And a reflection of that at times. It might not be right now. It could be 10 years down the road, 15, right? That you're, they'll emulate you a lot. Um, and question number four is this. The last one is, if you had one character trait or life skill that you could have in someone that you were having recruiting to play for you or, you know, work for you or whatever, what would it be and why? <clears throat> I think there's two things. You know, one, you got to earn. One, they got to earn. You know, it's like, or they got to show, you know, so trust. <clears throat> There's nothing greater than having a relationship with players of trust. So I have to try to create that, to grow that. Then when they have that, then that relationship, that bond becomes so much greater that we can express and talk about, you know, the truly the tough things. And the other is the work ethic. I mean, you got to, to really grow to be the best that you can be. You really got to be able to work the discipline through it. And, uh, you know, if you can still want to work when it's raining or it's cold or, you know, you don't feel great or whatever those are, you know, I'm not saying you don't have to have breaks, but I'm saying that you have to have a consistency. And so I love to see the consistency of the work. I'd rather tone guys down and say, hey, you got to slow down and, and of course, you know, just the, the trust um, go. I mean, uh, uh, the name that comes up the most, you know, for me is like Paul uh, Goldsmith. I mean, he was MVP this past year. 
He was second, you know, when I was in Arizona, he was second runner up MVP uh, back in Arizona when I was there. I mean, we built such a great bond of trust. I was, he was really the, he's still the toughest guy and the easiest guy at the same time to coach one because he's so good. The other, the other part is because he would literally do whatever I would ask. Oh, what do I got to lose? I'll try. I mean, he was, he's that coachable and he's like that in a lot of ways in his, in his game from base running to everything else. So when coaches have players like that, that trust them, but you've earned that trust because what you have is valuable to them and it's not for yourself. It's more for the growth of them. And they know that they understand that to me, it's just the greatest place you can be as a coach. I think my answer would be everything Turner said, but I would add just where trust comes honesty and communication would be two characteristics. I would add to that. Well, yeah. And uh, Donna Turner, you know, thank you all for, for joining us today. It's, Jim, it's been one of the most enriching conversations we probably had on the show in general, your vulnerability, you're willing to share your struggles, your highs, your lows, your insights. Donna, I know your book is out. It's available. Where can people find it? Where can you buy it? Uh, show us where we can we can purchase Unexpected Hope. Yep. So Amazon, you can go to Amazon and type in Unexpected Hope, Donna Ward, and it should be right there. Um, if you want to order it from me, for some reason Amazon's out. Um, DonnaMarieWard.com is my website, and that's how you can get the book or get in touch with me for whatever reason. So. Yeah. I just want to say, too, with her book, too, The Unexpected Hope. This is not just about people with with, with cancer. It's it's just a struggle in general of uh, of life. And what Donna does so good about being vulnerable and kind of how she truly feels in her book. And, and I think that's kind of where the, the healing comes out of, of, of people. It's like you're really just being honest with yourself. And, and what she did, she was brutally honest in her book. And I just want to encourage everyone to try to read it. Yeah. And also, too, Turner, is there a way that people can follow you or connect with you, like regards to coaching and be, like things like that? A lot of coaches and, um, you know, always looking for information or advice or things like that. I mean, one of the ways, of, of course, is, uh, you know, our emails are pretty open with, uh, you know, with the Cardinals and stuff at uh, twardcardinals.com. But, um, you know. I can get messaged through Instagram and, uh, and, and like that. And I do from uh, a lot of people. And so that would just be some ways to kind of reach out. And uh, also through you guys now, man, y'all got our information. You guys can kind of help us out through that. And, uh, you know, we just want to love on people and we need encouragement. We want to give encouragement and just do what we can to, to help. Yeah. Well, again, thank you all both for joining us today. I uh, hope you all have a great rest of your day. Enjoy your January uh, with, with the rest of the offseason left. Turner, make sure you know, give give uh, all the love she needs right the next month, right? So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you guys so much yeah. for having well, us. Anytime. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk soon. And uh, like I said, enjoy the rest of your Friday and have a great weekend. All right. Okay, thank you guys. Well, Jimmy, you know, again, it was a very great conversation with them. They were very graceful in their vulnerability. They're willing to talk about the things that really, you know, hit them the most. I don't know if we've had guests that really got that deep into some of the struggles they've gotten into. So I know for me, I I found myself, you know, keeping keeping in mind what is most important. Yeah, and I, and I think also, too, 
in life. I don't know. We, we've, I mean, I think we've talked about this before is, you know, it's kind of like Turner said, we all go through struggles and challenges, right? And sometimes maybe our challenges aren't as bad as others, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes when we see other people's challenges they're going through, it kind of maybe shifts our perspective to realize maybe it's not as bad, right? Mm-hmm. And I think too, it's like to never like, you know, she has in her book, Unexpected Hope, Never Lose Hope, to always have that faith. And sometimes what you're going through can help you become the best version of yourself to, you know, get to where really you would like to go, but where God really wants you to be. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Well, you know, enjoy your uh, rest of your day today, Jimmy, and in the weekend coming up. Um, you know, it's a little nicer outside. I'm going to make sure I get outside a little bit today as well. You yeah, should. And by the way, I like that Cardinal Red. I'm sure Turner liked it too. I mean, that was really great, you know, connecting it today. Turner yeah. Ward, getting now, it. Hey, go. That'd be strategic, right? You know, anytime so. you have a Cardinal on, you're ready. Locked and loaded. Let's go. Let's go. Hey, you know, I will say this though like, whatever team he would be playing, be coaching with, he would be, he was a great guest and, and, and his wife too, just the things that they taught beyond the game. Even if he was with the Chicago Cubs, you'd still have him on. Okay. That's yeah. Good. I think, I think I would oh, because okay. the value, the value. Yeah. I'd probably still wear this though, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. All right, Jay. Have a great day, buddy. See ya.